Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our Red Letters Sermon Series, which looks at the words of Jesus Christ in the Gospels. We hope that this message will be an encouragement to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. I remember uh, um, a few years ago, Hannah and I, we had met, we had met a preacher, and we had met this certain preacher, and we had heard him preach at an event, and I remember both of us afterwards, we thought, man, that was just, it just didn't seem right. You know, it was just, the message was, it was okay, but it just was a little out of context. And, and we kind of left thinking, you know, if we ever have a chance to get to know him, we're probably, it's probably going to be one of those, you know, Brother Rich, one of the times where you're just kind of like, well, it's, it's good to meet you, but I'm not going to spend much time with you. A well, long story short, fast forward a few years, we had opportunity to sit down and just talk with that pastor. And we sat down and began to talk with that pastor. And of course, in my mind is that brash message I had heard that really was out of context and just, you know, that, that was kind of in my mind. But as we look and as we fast forward, we sit down with him. Man, I remember we were sitting there and picking his brain about church planting and picking his brain about pastoring. And we left that conversation and both of us like, man, when can we hang out with him again? That was so encouraging. And I remember walking away saying, I learned some things about how to pastor Moses Lake Baptist Church because of this pastor that I didn't think I would probably ever learn something from. You ever had anybody like that? Someone that you just thought, yeah, I'm not gonna learn anything from them. Maybe it was a boss or a coworker, or uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe it was a pastor. Maybe it was somebody that you thought, you know, they'll be okay, but I'm not gonna learn much. When you come to the very first time that we find Jesus speaking, what you find is people learning from somebody they didn't expect to learn from. The very first time we find Jesus opening his mouth to speak, he was 12 years old. And he sat and taught inside of the temple and he taught the scribes and the lawyers and he taught the quote unquote religious leaders. And we're gonna read in just a moment, the scripture says that they were astounded. They were astonished at the teaching of a 12 year old child. Well, tonight I think we're gonna take this passage and we too hopefully will leave here astonished at the teaching. We don't know exactly what he was teaching them, but we do know what he could teach us from the verses we're gonna cover tonight. And so I invite you, if you would, to stand with me and take your Bible and let's go to Luke chapter number two. And we're gonna begin reading in verse number 39 of Luke chapter two. Luke two thirty-nine. we read this. And when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother knew not of it. But they, supposing him to have been in the company, went a day's journey, and they sought him among their kinsfolk and acquaintance. And when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem, seeking him. 
And it came to pass that after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he said unto them, how is it that ye sought me? Wish ye not that I must be about my father's business? And they understood not the saying which he spake unto them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Go back to verse 49. The very first time Jesus opens his mouth upon this earth and speaks words, he says this. He said unto them, how is it that you sought me? Wish ye not that I must be about my father's business. Some great words that I believe we can learn some valuable lessons tonight. And so we're gonna get the context, understand the story, what's taking place. And then we're just gonna take that verse and kind of dissect it a little bit and see if we can learn from the red letters tonight. Let's have our heads bowed and our eyes closed. And if you would, why don't you take a moment and just in the quietness of your own heart, just ask the Lord to, uh, to speak to you tonight and maybe make a commitment to him that as he speaks to you, that you're listening to him and that you're gonna respond to him tonight. Dear Lord, we thank you for the day. We thank you for the word of God. Thank you for this morning, Lord. Thank you for the one that trusted you uh, during the invitation. And thank you, Father, for just how you've continued to work in our church. And we pray, Lord, that you'd bless and that you'd help us tonight to hear from you, that you'd speak to our hearts. And Lord, that we would leave here knowing uh, that we've been challenged by you and that we've been strengthened in our walk with you for this week. We love you. Thank you for your love. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You go ahead and be seated. As our passage opens up in Luke chapter number two, we would find Jesus, if you go and you do a little study of the chronological order of the life of Christ, you'd actually find Jesus coming back from Egypt uh, into Nazareth. We would remember, <coughs> excuse me, you'd remember that uh, what had taken place that Mary and, uh, and uh, Christ had um, with Joseph, they had been born, he had been born in Bethlehem. And of course, from there would travel up into Jerusalem. And we'd read much of that in Luke chapter number two with, with Anna and with, uh, um, uh, what was his name? Simeon, thank you. With Anna and Simeon, Jesus would have been there. But then the Bible tells us in the book of Matthew that Jesus actually would have had to flee with his mother and father uh, all the way to Egypt. And God came to Joseph and said, hey, get you and the, the baby and your wife, get out of here because Herod was trying to kill off all the babies. You remember this? Herod's trying to kill off all the babies, so they flee. Well, as we come to our passage in Luke chapter two, we would find that they're now coming back into Israel and they're coming back into that hometown of Nazareth. Now, when you think about uh, what you would learn in, in Nazareth, Nazareth was really just a little podunk town. It was kind of a nobody town. And we'll talk more about it in just a second. But even when you come to just this portion of scripture, there's so much truth about Jesus that we can learn. There's so many things about Christ we can learn. And before we see the story, let me tell you real quick, in this passage, we see Christ's humanity. We see that he grew in these four areas. He grew physically. The Bible says in verse number 40, and the child grew. That's talking about physically. Man, Jesus humbled himself and put upon himself the fashion of a man, didn't he? 
And he grew just like you and I, just like a normal child would. Jesus grew physically. Jesus grew spiritually. If you were to go down uh, to verse number uh, 40, it says the child grew and waxed strong in spirit. That phrase strong in spirit, it doesn't mean that Jesus was like a two-year-old knowing everything that was going on. Now, was he 100% God? Yes. But he almost uh, um, compartmentalized the deity of himself. And he decided to humble himself and put on humanity and grow spiritually just like you and I would. That's Jesus in his humanity. There's some great lessons that we can, listen, we can learn here. Listen, nobody reaches the pinnacle of spiritual growth. Everybody can grow. Jesus even taught us that. So he grew physically, he grew spiritually. The Bible tells us that he grew intellectually. Did you know that Jesus wasn't just a two-year-old that knew everything? He had to learn just like you and I do. He had to go to school just like we would, the, the, the schools of that system. Jesus would have been raised up in the schooling system. He would have been taught. The Bible tells us in verse number uh, 40, that he's filled with wisdom. Verse number 52, Jesus increased in wisdom and stature. There's the physical again. And so he grew physically, spiritually, intellectually, and then he grew in favor. The Bible says that he grew in favor with God and with man. And Jesus would grow up and he would um, be one that he learned to make friends with people. He learned how to have grace with people. And you say, well, was there ever a time where Jesus didn't have grace? No, because the Bible tells us that uh, he knew no sin. And so we can believe that scripture tells us he was perfect. And even as a child, he was perfect, but he still had to learn. I imagine maybe his parents kind of teaching him. I love Joseph in scripture. I think Joseph was a very godly man. I really do. I believe Joseph was a very godly man that, that uh, had a fear of God and a reverence toward God. I, I can imagine Joseph saying, hey, son, come over here. You see, you see that boy right there yelling at his mom and dad? Son, that's, that's not how we respond to authority. I can imagine Joseph doing that. Well, why? Because the Bible tells us that he grew in favor. He grew intellectually and he grew in favor. He had to learn how to respect people. <clears throat> so there's a lot that we can learn from this passage, this part portion of Jesus's life. But as we open up the Bible today, I want us just to kind of find out what's taking place. And then I want us to learn from that verse that we saw where Jesus said, wished you not that I must be about my father's business. As you open up the scripture, we find Jesus traveling with Mary and uh, Joseph, traveling uh, from Nazareth all the way down to Jerusalem. Now, Jesus, of course, Nazareth would be on that north end. Jesus would be about 12 years old. They would be going down for, uh, they would be going down for the feast of the Passover. Uh, be, there would be three times a year or three feasts that Jews would travel to Jerusalem, the feast of the Passover, the uh, uh, feast of Pentecost, and the feast of Tabernacles. And so they're going to be traveling down right now at this time of year. They would be with Jesus going for the feast of the Passover. And you can read that in verse number 41. They travel a little south. They would cross over the Jordan River, River, continue south, and then cross back over right above the uh, uh, the Dead Sea and cross into Jerusalem. And I meant to put a picture. We actually got to stand right in front of the gate uh, that they they recently discovered that would would have been probably where Jesus and his parents would have entered into Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. Just an amazing place there, uh, right by the Western Wall. And so, when you look at it, Jesus is there. He's coming into uh, Jerusalem, but this year is a little different than all the other years. 
And this year is different because Jesus is 12 years old. Well, in the Jewish custom, something takes place at 12 years old. The child is no longer seen as a child, but is seen as an adult at 12 years old. That's interesting, isn't it? It's called a bar mitzvah. How many of you have heard of that? You've heard of a bar mitzvah. That's what, that's what we find, this bar mitzvah. And I'm going to show you a picture. We were in we were in Israel, and when we were standing there in Jerusalem, we had two bar mitzvahs come by us. And these boys uh, turning <coughs> 12 years old and coming in, kind of celebrating with the family. And uh, they reach a point where the family looks at them as being independent in their choices and not, not needing, maybe they still need the instruction of parents, but now, hey, we've taught you enough. You should be able to stand on your own and make some choices of your own. Well, the Bible tells us that Mary and Jesus and Joseph, they're coming into town, not only for the feast of the Passover, but they're also coming in because it's Jesus's bar mitzvah. That's why they'd become, that's why the scripture Luke points out, he's 12 years old. This year is different. Now you say, Pastor Dennis, how do we, how, how can we know that, that, you know, that's why Luke wrote it? Because Luke wrote it this way, because if Jesus at 11 years old would have stayed in Jerusalem to teach in the temple, he would have been seen as rebellious and disobedient. But at 12 years old, he's seen as being free and independent to make choices. And so now that's why Mary and Joseph didn't come in and say, you disobeyed us, right? Because that would have made Jesus a sinner. But he wasn't disobedient. He was independent in his choices and at 12 years old stayed back to teach them. So that's just a little theology lesson, a little simple lesson for us tonight. But they go and they travel in. They partake of the events of the Feast of the Passover of Christ's Bar Mitzvah. And then the Bible tells us that they travel back north and they travel all the way back up to Nazareth. Well, they're supposed to be traveling up to Nazareth because what the scripture tells us is that they get a day's journey away from Jerusalem, and they would travel in a caravan. Uh, almost, it would almost be the whole community would actually, the whole Nazareth community would travel down during the feast of the Passover, and then they would travel back up. And the, the men would be in the front, and the women and children would be in the back. But it would be easy to lose somebody in the midst of a whole community traveling. They would almost assume, Joseph would assume, well, Mary has him, and Mary would assume, well, he's probably, he's probably back just playing with the kids, or maybe he ran up to Joseph, but I know he's here. And the scripture, the story we just read, what takes place? Well, they get a day's journey, they pitch camp for the night, and Mary sees Joseph, and Joseph sees Mary, and they say, I thought you had him. I don't have him. I thought you had him. Well, I don't have him. You're supposed to have him. No, I don't have him. You were the one that said you would get him. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever been left somewhere by your parents? I've told you stories. I've been left by my parents multiple times. I actually hit a point where I wondered if they were doing it on purpose. There would be times I remember being a, a kid coming out of school. I'd be in fourth and fifth grade, and my parents would say, uh, to avoid the school pickup line, you know, the line where everybody's sitting in the car and you have to wait, they'd say, hey, avoid that. Just walk behind the school over the ball fields to the back street. We'll pick you up there. I can tell you multiple times I would sit on the curb 
It'd be 3.30 and 4 o'clock and 4.30 and 5 o'clock. And you're saying, Pastor, there's no way. You can ask them. 5.30, 6 o'clock, finally a car would come pulling up. And I'd stand up. I'd say, I knew you are going to come. I knew you'd get me. What had happened is mom was working, and so she thought dad would get him. Well, dad thought mom got off work early to come get me, and here I am left. There was one particular time. I was 16 years old. We were in Missoula, Montana. We were with Jim and Don Zeke, Pastor Jane there. They were starting that church in Missoula. <coughs> Pastor Zeke, who preached for us last Sunday, we were with them at a church plant. We went out to eat to a Chinese restaurant with Jim. Went out to eat, and we all ate dinner together, and the whole family. I went up, went and used the restroom. I came back out. No one was at the table. And I wasn't in there for an hour. Just gone a couple minutes, came back out, and there's no one there at the table. I thought, they're in the cars. I walked out to the cars, Missoula, Montana. I know nobody. Cell phones weren't a big thing right then. And I walked out, and the cars weren't there. You know what I did? I sat by Buddha's head. You know, in front of the Chinese restaurant, like a big Buddha, I just sat there. Sat down, leaned back on it. About an hour went by, and mom and dad rolled back in. I said, I knew you'd come. They had to travel 30 minutes. They were in separate cars, travel 30 minutes, and then they realized, we forgot Dennis. They went ahead and did what they had to do 30 minutes away, and then came and got Dennis. Listen, <clears throat> You've been, you've been around or maybe you've been left before. But let me ask you this. Can you imagine being the parents of Jesus and forgetting him? Now, that's just not, that's not like my parents leaving me. Man, that's, that's minuscule compared to, here's this, Joseph and Mary, they knew who Jesus was. Like, Mary knew, the angel had said, I'm giving you God's son. Joseph knew, the angel had told him, he's not your boy, he's mine. Can you imagine how that conversation went? Um, hey, honey, uh, you know, I don't mean to, I really don't mean to nag you or anything, um, but it's God's son. <laughs> We just lost God's son. And she goes, I know. I, I don't even know what to say. It's your fault. What are you talking about? It's my fault. You were the last one with him. I mean, it's God's son. I know it's God's son. I realize who it is. Don't you think I know who my own son is? I know it's God's son, Joseph. Well, Mary... And I can kind of hear them, not bickering, but just kind of going back and forth because they realized, like, this is God's child. And they forgot him. Can you imagine how they felt? Man, probably that small. Before we imagine how they felt, you know what? There's a lot of Christians that act like Mary and Joseph. And they go through their day and they forget God's son. Oh, they know Jesus. They have a relationship with him just like Mary and Joseph did, but they, they neglect taking him on the journey. Can I tell you tonight that Jesus wants to be a part of your daily journey just like he was gonna be a part of their journey? He wants to be a part of your journey. There's a lot of Christians that neglect the son of God just like Mary and Joseph did that day. And I tell you, don't be guilty of that. 
Well, the Bible tells us that they traveled back into Jerusalem one day back, so now it's been two days, and they would search for another day. And on that day, they would search, and they would finally find Jesus. What was he doing? He was sitting in the temple. He was speaking to the doctors and to the lawyers and to the scribes and to some of the religious leaders. And the word of God tells us that they were all astonished at his teaching, no doubt learning some incredible truths. And uh, I want to get to heaven and ask the Lord if I could just watch the Bible, you know, and just watch it on IMAX. I don't know if they'll do that in heaven, but man, can I just go back and watch all of it? And I want to see what was Jesus teaching them? Why were they so astonished? Why were they so astounded at a 12-year-old child? They come in, and of course, we hear the discourse between Mary and Jesus. Mary says, son, you gave me a heart attack. Don't you know that, I mean, what are you doing? We've been searching for you for all, we've been searching for you for three days. And you find the very first words of Jesus. He says, why, why are you searching for me? Wish you not or don't you know that I've got to be about the Father's business? As I stated a moment ago, there's a lot we can learn from this passage, but very quickly, I want us to learn a few thoughts from those very first words of Christ. Tonight, I look at these words, and there's some thoughts that I think that every one of us can learn, and what I want us to see tonight is skip through some things. I want to see, first of all, that we can learn humility. In these very first words of Christ, we can learn humility. You say, how can we learn humility? I want you to notice from the passage what Jesus said. When he said, wish you not, he said, I must be about my business. Is that what he said? No. No, he said, I must be about, I want you to notice the word, my father's business. I must be about God's work. You know what? When you go through scripture, when we look through this and we read the stories and we read of the life of Jesus Christ, the fact of the matter is this, that Jesus came to accomplish the Father's purpose. He came to accomplish the Father's will. I want you to notice how Jesus said it in Luke chapter 22. It says, during that prayer time when he was withdrawn uh, from them about a stone's cast, kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove the cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Thine be done. Listen, Jesus not only humbled himself and put on the, the, the form of a man, but he humbled himself and accomplished God, the Father's plan, while he was upon the earth. That just, that just shows us humility, and we know all about the humility of Christ, but these very first few words that he spoke to his parents, because of these, we witness humility. It was Jesus who said in John 9, 4, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day, because the night cometh when no man can work. Jesus wasn't saying, I must work my work. He's saying, I must work God's work. He was a humble servant. The word of God would tell us in uh, Philippians 2, 8, that being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Listen, his humility led to his obedience. He humbled himself and became obedient to God the Father, to the will of God the Father. I want you to understand that all throughout the earthly ministry of Jesus Christ, he was not about himself. He was not into exerting himself. There was not a moment of pride in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was constantly living a humble life. Now, what a great example for us. A great example because the truth is that today God still blesses humility. 
God still blesses it when you don't live for you. When I don't live for me, when I live a humble life, God still lifts up the humble. He's still interested in his children living humble. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 5, be clothed with humility. Why? Because God, for God resisteth the proud, but he giveth grace unto the humble. Carlos acted that out for us a little bit the other day while he was preaching that God resisteth the proud. He stiff arms the proud. He pushes away the proud, but he gives grace unto the humble. We often become so consumed with ourselves that we forget about humility. And something we can learn from the very first words of Jesus. He said, I must be about the Father's business, not my work. No, I've humbled myself. It's about his work. You can go and learn so many things about humility. I think specifically of James chapter four. The word of God tells us in James chapter four that there's many blessings that come with humility. We won't, we won't read that passage, but the Bible tells us that when we're humble, we receive grace. James chapter four and verse number six, he giveth grace to the humble. The Bible tells us that when we live humble, that we live in victory. Submit yourselves therefore, God, therefore unto God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. When I'm submitted to the Lord and I'm resisting Satan, there's that humility there. Man, their victory in the Christian walk is mine. James told those Hebrews, he's saying, hey, listen, if you submit to the Lord and you give God place in your life, humble yourself before him, victory is yours. In James 6, we learn that when I'm humble before God, that closeness in my relationship with God is there. Verse number eight of James 6, or James 4, it says this, draw nigh unto God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. James was telling them, listen, when you live in humility toward God, God will draw close to you. The Bible also tells us there in James that when we are humble before God, that honor is given to the humble. You can read it that humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall what? Lift you up. Honor is given to the humble. He may not honor you how you or I think we should be honored, but God promises that honor. You know what? When I look at these words of Jesus Christ, this very first lesson, there's some truth that we can learn from it. And what do we learn? Well, number one, we can learn about humility. Just in those few words, I must be about my father's business. It's his work, not mine. We learn, first of all, humility. Secondly, we learn purpose. We learn purpose. You say, Pastor, where do we learn purpose? <clears throat> Don't you notice that Jesus, he lived with this purpose. He said, I must be about my father's what? Business. Hey, I'm gonna be about, I must be working in and accomplishing God's work. I must be about the father's business. You know what? Jesus on this earth, Jesus was not just killing time. He didn't have... I don't believe that Jesus had days where he was just killing time. I believe that Jesus had days where he resorted and relaxed. I do believe that because the Bible helps us understand, but he always even did that with purpose to get physically re-energized so that he could go back out and accomplish the purpose of God the Father. We say, what was the purpose of God? Mark summarizes it for us well, the words of Jesus in Mark 10, 45, for even the son of man came not to be ministered unto, but to what? to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. To minister, to serve. You wanna know Jesus's purpose? To serve others and to die for others. 
So the Bible says, he came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, to serve, and then to die. To serve and then to die. Man, Jesus serving by ministering and serving in the temple, or excuse me, ministering and serving in this life, that was his purpose, the Father's business. We can even see Jesus was accomplishing that. He was ministering and serving even in the temple. Verse 46 of our passage, it came to pass that after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing, both hearing them and asking questions. And they're astonished at his teaching. <clears throat> you know what Jesus was doing there in the temple? He's just ministering. He was just serving. Well, how was he serving? He was serving by teaching. Even a 12-year-old Jesus Christ knew his purpose and he lived with purpose. He knew that he was here for a purpose and you can go and understand that he knew that his purpose, and we don't have time to get into everything. He knew his purpose was to lift up God and to reach the world. He knew that his purpose was to bring the world into a relationship with him. And this is something that Jesus never lost sight of all through the life of Jesus Christ. You find different phrases like this, for the son of man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Mark 8, 31 through 33, he began to teach them that the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again and he spake that saying openly and Peter took him and began to rebuke him but when he had turned about and looked on his disciples he rebuked Peter notice what he said get thee behind me Satan for thou savorest not the things that be of God but the things that be of men what were the things that be of God hey Peter I am here for a purpose I am here on purpose. I am here and I have a mission from God. It goes all the way back to this Luke chapter two. I must be about the father's business. Jesus said it this way in John 10, the thief cometh uh, not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I am come to give abundant life. Can I just tell you tonight that just as Jesus had purpose, you and I have purpose as well. And we actually have the same purpose that Jesus did. Oh, not to die and give our life a ransom for many, though partly that's a purpose. But you know what we're called to do? We're called to serve. We're called to serve just like Jesus was. We're called to live humbly and invest our life in something greater than us, serving God. We must be about the Father's business. It's his work. You say, Pastor, why do we, why do we still have church on a Sunday night? I mean, it's hot in here, and, and, and Pastor, we could be out doing other things tonight. You know what? It's his work. Why are we gonna this fall, why, why do we have on the way, getting here this week, why do we have 20,000 into the city outreach invitations coming in? Pastor, we can't get out and do 20,000 doors. We, only, we did 13,000 last year. Pastor, there's no way we could do 20,000 this year. Listen, it's his work. We have purpose. I appreciate Micah pointing out the truth of those three girls getting saved. Why do we go to junior camp? Purpose. The purpose. Our church, our church is purpose-minded. Well, what's our purpose? Number one, to glorify God. Number two, to reach people with God. And number three, to grow people in God. That's it. Glorify God, reach people for God, grow people in God. That's our purpose. Why do we have Life Stage Fellowships? 
Why do we have life? Why do we have Sunday school still for kids and life stage groups for adults in the morning at 10? Because we have purpose. Why do we do music? Purpose. The worship, the nurseries. Why are there, why, why is, uh, are there nursery workers tonight and junior church workers this morning? And this week, why are ladies going to come into the office? And why is organization going to take place? And why does Micah keep track of where we outreach? And why do our musicians practice? And why do people in here serve by greeting and being an usher and serving in various ways in our church and in our community? You know why? Purpose. You're born with purpose. I'm born with purpose. It's to live this life for something greater than me. Man, from this passage, we can learn Jesus from his words. We learn humility. We learn purpose. Philippians 1.6, it says, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Listen, you are born with purpose. God wants to work in your life. His purpose is to conform you into his image. Romans 8 28 through 30, it says, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he called. Whom he called, them he also justified. Whom he justified, them he also glorified. But there in that verse, verse number 29, it says, whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed or made like the image of his son. Man, your purpose and my purpose each and every day is just to be more like Jesus. He served, I should serve. He gave of himself, I should give of himself. He followed the Father's plan, I should follow the Father's plan. He humbled himself, I should humble myself. We can learn tonight from this passage, just from a 12-year-old Jesus, an unlikely teacher, a 12-year-old. We learn humility, we learn purpose. Notice thirdly, we learn focus. We learn focus. I want you to notice two words in this passage. Jesus said, verse number 49, how is it that you sought me? Wist ye not that I, what's the next word? Look at it, look at it, verse number 49. Wist ye not that I, what's the word? Must. I must. The word must helps us understand a little bit of a focus, of a determination. It's as if Jesus is saying, there is no alternative. I have purpose. I have to accomplish this. I must. You know what this shows us? This shows us that Jesus lived with focus. He lived with focus. Jesus was focused on accomplishing his work. He was not deterred. He lived with determination. He said, I must. This is something I have to do. There are no other options. And he was constantly, constantly focused on serving the Father, constantly focused on completing the Father's business. He was focused on this all the way up to the cross, John 17, before he would die. He said, I've glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gave me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self and with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. Hey, I finished the work. God, I lived with focus. He didn't get sidetracked. He served the Father every step of the way. Luke chapter four, verse 43, he said unto them, I must preach the kingdom of God. 
uh, to other cities also, for therefore am I sent. John 10, 16, other sheep I have, which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. All of the times, and you can go research it, take a Bible app and look up all of the phrases, I must, and Jesus said it multiple times, I must work the works of him that sent me. I must be about the Father's business. I must reach the, 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 the lost sheep. Jesus, time, what is that? He was focused. He was focused in on the truth that I'm living with determination. Jesus did not just live moment by moment. He lived a focused life. He lived his life with drive. He lived with a heart that says, I have to, I want to, and I get to. I have purpose. I have humility. I have focus. You know, as you think about focus, I think you and I, we too should have the same focus. The focus of being about the Father's business. The focus of being about living our purpose. You see, in this life, we get so focused on all the wrong things, don't we? Let's be honest. We get focused on so many things that draw our attention away from accomplishing the purpose that God has for us. Man, would to God, we'd have some Christians that would stand up and say, I must be about the Father's business. I'm focused on this. There is no alternative. I'm gonna serve him and reach people for him. I'm gonna glorify God, reach people with God and help people grow in God. I'm going to live with focus. I wonder tonight, are you focused on the Father's business? You see, God has this incredible adventure and journey waiting for us, but often we just get so out of focus. We live in the moment with no overriding purpose or focus upon that purpose. One man said about a Christian living with focus, he, must, he said this, worldly business must give way to spiritual concerns. What does that mean? My worldly life, my life in this flesh, it must give away to spiritual concerns. God comes first. Live with focus. Paul had this, Philippians 3, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind I, uh, and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. From this passage, I learn, and, and we can learn humility, we can learn purpose, we can learn focus, and lastly tonight, we can learn desire. Jesus wasn't just determined. Jesus had a desire in his heart to absolutely fulfill the Father's will. Notice, if you will, <clears throat> the whole phrase shows us this. When Jesus said, how, how is it that you sought me? Wish ye not that I must be about my Father's business. Through this, we can learn about the desire of Jesus Christ. He actually wanted to please God the Father and to complete his work. Jesus wasn't just saying, I, I have to do this. Jesus saying, why, why are you searching for me? Don't you know that I have a different objective? Don't you know there's something else that I'm gonna be doing? You find in the passage that Mary didn't understand it, but she began to ponder all these things. It says that she kept all these things. That phrase would be that she began to just think about them and reflect on them. And I believe at the cross, a lot of things made sense. And I believe even this moment probably came to Mary's mind. But in this passage, we can find the desire of Christ. Why don't you listen to what Jesus said when he prayed in John 17? Notice what he said. He said, Father, I will that they also, 
whom thou hast given with me, who thou hast given me, be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee, but I have known thee. And these have known that, I, that thou hast sent me. I have declared unto them thy name, and I will declare it. Notice this phrase, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them and I in them. Listen, do you wanna know why Jesus wanted to be about the Father's business? It was because his desire and his love for you and for me and his love for God. That's why. The whole reason Jesus died on the cross is because of love. The whole reason Jesus came not to be ministered unto, but to minister is because of love. And in this passage, I can see that love even through a 12-year-old Jesus. How is it that you sought me? I don't see Jesus turning around arrogantly go, how is it that you sought me? Wish ye not that I must be about my father's business. Come on. I don't see Jesus doing that. I see him maybe with a tear in his eye turning back around his mom and dad and saying, almost as if to calm them down, how is it that you sought me? Wish ye not. Don't, don't you know? I've got to be about the Father's business. Can I tell you that you don't say something like that unless you have a love for what you're doing. Jesus truly had a desire, didn't he? We can see it all through his life. He had a desire to complete God's will because, because he loved him. The psalmist said this, one thing of a desire of the Lord, that will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. You know what you and I need to live with? There's a lot of Christians, listen, there's a lot of Christians who have turned living for God into a drudgery. Well, I guess I gotta read the Bible. I guess I, I, better go to, I better get up and go to church. If I don't, God might strike me down. And we may not say that, but that's how we go through Christianity. Listen, I hope tonight that we would learn from Jesus. Jesus wasn't saying, I have to do this. If I don't, God, the Father might be mad. He wasn't doing that. Jesus said, I, I, must, I must do this. There, there's not other options. But it's also because I have a desire to. I actually want to. And you know what God blesses? God blesses believers when they begin serving him and living for him completely from the heart. When it's not a drudgery. Man, I should get up tomorrow and live for him because I love him. I should get in the word and draw closer to him because I love him. I should want to serve and be like him, live with humility because I love him. Tonight, we open up the word of God. We learn from Christ, an unlikely 12-year-old teacher. And what's he teach us? Well, we learn about humility. I wonder tonight what areas of pride what areas of pride do you need to get out of your life? We learn about purpose. I wonder if you've been living for you or living for him. We learn about focus. Maybe tonight you just need to ask the Lord, God, help me to be focused on your plan and not mine. And tonight we learn about desire. Maybe you would ask the Lord, God, help me to stop living the Christian life as a drudgery but start having a heart of love for you. I hope each one of us tonight would make this decision that we would follow Christ's example in humility, purpose, 
focus and desire. How is it that you sought me? Wish you not, don't you know? I must be about the Father's business. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit Moses Lake Baptist Church. 